the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So you might have heard that Wendy's is doing something wackadoodle. They're bringing surge pricing to their business. Is it wackadoodle? We already do surge pricing on airplanes. We do surge pricing in Ubers. We pay extra money for the best seats at concerts. Way extra money. Especially if there's a quick run on tickets that Ticketmaster has it set up to boost the prices. If you go to a bar today at 3 o'clock, from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock, they may have happy hour on your food and or your drinks. If you're in Florida and you go out to dinner at 4 o'clock, you get the early bird special. In Hawaii or Europe, if you book a hotel room during the off-season, you get a discount. You pay more for electricity during peak hours. For Bruce Springsteen concerts, we learned all about peak pricing. So why is this such a weird thought that it could come to Wendy's? When I go to a Wendy's and I look at their staff sometimes, and I don't go to Wendy's or McDonald's very often. Um, I won't lie when there's a road trip that involves three or more hours of driving. There could be a quick hit to a drive through to also hit the bathroom kind of situation. Um, but I'm kind of one of those one item at a time. So if it's Wendy's, it's either like a chicken sandwich or like a Frosty, and that's it. I can't do anything. I can't do two at a time. I can't do anything like that. I would gain so much weight and my heart would explode. So when you see the staffing, you go, oh, they have too much in here. They have too little. It's pretty easy on the eyeballs. But if you go to a nice restaurant now, there's been times where you look around and you go, why are they not seating me? There's 20 extra tables in the back. It's because they don't have enough staff. The staff didn't come back after the pandemic. Staff got fed up with being underpaid. Relying you on you for tips when we've heard about people getting tip fatigue. Working for bosses who sometimes are, wouldn't it be great if I said something bad like World War II soldiers? I'm so tired of like, what can you not say? Ah. Um, working for managers that are like Roman generals, is that better? Or did I just offend people from Italy? Working for managers who are uneducated, working for managers who don't know how to treat their employees right, working for managers who are under a lot of stress, working for managers who don't have enough staff. Going out to restaurants just isn't fun anymore. Staff turnover in restaurants was bad pre-pandemic, low pay, work schedules, bad culture, lack of growth opportunities in life. For decades, American diners have gotten used to a certain kind of experience, and it just doesn't seem to be back. 
Tipping has long been a problem for American restaurants. Unlike most in rich countries, American restaurant servers depend primarily on tips for their income. Federal minimum wage for a waiter is $2.13 an hour. Um, 2014 study found that customers tended to tip black servers slightly less than white servers. I mean, there's so many issues going on in the restaurant industry, right? A $10 sandwich plus a 20% tip feels different to customers from a $12 sandwich with service included. A lot of restaurants are just hiding it, saying we're going to jack the prices, we're going to pay our people better so you don't have to tip them. Uh, One of the places that I go to for lunch on occasion, they don't really have a wait staff. They've got three employees and they've got a counter that you order at, seat yourself, and they bring the food to you. You tip when you order if you want to. I bet they probably miss out on a lot of tips, but also they're probably able to carry one or two less employees inside the store. Um, a lot of issues going on. So why is Wendy's such a travesty to people? Because they sell chicken nuggets or Frosties based on demand. Back in the 1990s, voice semiconductors started powering coca-cola machines you'd walk by a coca-cola machine and it'd, say, it'd sing to you i'd like to buy the world a coke or uh oh it's hot out today like coke machines started talking to you and there was technology developed so that they could sell coca-colas in the summer for two dollars and sell coca-colas in the winter for one dollar surge pricing based on the weather in an early 2025, Wendy's is going to be testing more enhanced features like dynamic pricings and day part offerings as they continue to show the benefit of the technology in their company-operated restaurants. Franchisee interest in digital menu boards should increase. So right now would be a great time to buy invest in digital menu boards. The days of fixed prices that began in 1876 when a Quaker merchant introduced price tags at his department store in Philadelphia may soon be behind us. Gartner Group. Their big research company predicts by 2025, the top 10 global retailers will use dynamic pricing to take advantage of mismatches between supply and demand. Prices seesaw all the time on the sites of online retailers like Amazon that use algorithms and artificial intelligence to monitor competitors and glean insights on individual investor uh, shoppers. A lot of stuff is already happening. If you don't realize that it's happening, if you have the Starbucks app, you probably have different offers. You might not be in the drive-thru and they might be tied towards food sometimes. The offers will change. Based on you've never been in the drive-thru, they want you in the drive-thru. It's not like $200 or $300 on a flight where if you go in the middle of the day, it's much more expensive than if you go first thing in the morning or last thing at night. This is a hyper-competitive industry on burgers. People have too many options. I can't tell you if if this is going to be a success and or failure. Consumers by large understand that companies need to make a profit. 52% of consumers surveyed said that dynamic pricing in restaurants is the equivalent of price gouging. But yet, again, it happens in so many other industries. Dynamic pricing aims to influence consumer behavior. Would I go to a restaurant for a beer at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, that's $5 versus spending $10 an hour later? I would. That's a good incentive to get me in early. 
when they have wait staff standing around doing nothing. But again, other people see it as, well, I want to go at 5 o'clock and pay full price because there's so many people standing around. I see both sides of this deal. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. You may be decades away from retirement and feeling overwhelmed. You should be starting to craft your retirement plan. Some smart decisions now can make a huge difference in the kind of retirement you enjoy. So set aside the morning of March 23rd from 10 a.m. till noon when two of the Bay Area's leading financial voices will be in Lafayette to help guide you down the right path. Learn the next chapter, Crafting Your Retirement, at a seminar hosted by EP Wealth's Stephanie Richmond and Rob Black. Certified financial planner Stephanie Richmond will show you how to reduce risk and generate secure income in retirement, plan for long-term care, learning when to take Social Security, and more. Rob will discuss the economy and the stock market. If you're looking to retire better and you have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this live seminar is for you. That's Saturday, March 23rd, 10 a.m. to noon at Don Tatson Hall in the Lafayette at library space is limited so sign up today at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com robblackshow.com welcome in i'm rob black i talk investing i talk tech sometimes i talk a little politics on how it might affect tax policy and estate planning but not much else with politics that's your business not mine but if the government were to pass a big infrastructure plan that spends billions and billions of dollars, it might benefit someone like a Caterpillar or a John Deere. So I might go into those kind of areas. I talk investing. I talk insurance. One of the biggest things I talk on in insurance is insure what you can't afford to lose. Use the word, underline the word afford, insure what you can't afford to lose. You have a nice car, get completely insured. In case someone hits you and they don't have insurance, or you hit something like a deer and you want it replaced. You don't want to drive around a banged up, ding old car. I get it. I don't talk a lot of taxes because taxes gets kind of weird because you and I are so very different. Everyone's different when it comes to taxes. So it may be a tax advantage idea for me. Roth conversion, it may not be a great idea for you based on where you are in your income. And I can't really separate those two and break out every table because it doesn't work on radio or television. What do we have to? I talk personal finance. Sometimes I talk about life. My family wants me to take 10 days off during the summer, and I'm like, I can't do. 11 i might be able to do seven i can't even take my own advice and enjoy because you can't be away from media or a highly needy dog zero one one zero one zero one um is her its name it's non-binary and uh i love her and she's needy and she wouldn't do well at a kennel and she wouldn't do well at a friend's house because she's needy that friend would become not a friend by the end of it. So I hit a lot of topics in a lot of different ways. Um, Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Flavin are permanently leaving the state of California for Florida. I get it. He's an old actor. His days of earning income are over. He no longer needs to be in L.A. Um, or Southern California to get the parts that he used to get. So save money in taxes. And relocate. 
They have a $22 million home in Hidden Hills. They're going to be moving into their $35 million property in Palm Beach. You saw Jeff Bezos do this. You should consider it when you're thinking about you no longer need to be near your high-paying job in California. I would consider it. It might kill my spouse. Uh, So I probably won't. And I'll probably bite the bullet and probably lose a lot of money in taxes that I don't need to. More people are, California is decreasing in population in the last few years because people find Florida and Arizona more affordable than California. The economy's gotten tougher even for wealthy people. Sometimes I'll talk about how do you find a growth stock? This is what everyone wants to know. First and foremost, you can get, you got to understand the difference in growth and, and value. There's an iShares S&P 500 growth ETF called IVW. There's an iShares S&P 500 value fund called ETF, uh, ETF called IVE. It's the ticker. If you were starting today and say, Rob, what do you think would be the best short-term investment? Like for I have one year and it's a risk reward. I'm going to go with small caps, mid caps, and value stocks. Maybe throw an international as well. But that's, I want to protect your risk. If you were to say the next five years, I'm probably going to say growth. Do you see how it kind of strangely works? Because over the five years, you're going to be able to withstand those down markets. Hopefully you have to understand that happens. How do you find growth stocks? I don't think the average person should buy growth stocks. I've got two emails yesterday where I almost had to chastise the people of um, one person said, what should I do with my NVIDIA? And I'm like, I really can't tell you because I don't know why you bought it. I can tell you what I'm doing with it, but that's not what you should be doing with it. And that sounds a little arrogant. It's not. You need to know why you're buying a stock. I look for stocks that are 20 to 40% pullbacks when I buy them. I look for stocks that I want to own forever is my time frame. If the story changes and when I buy a stock, I write down five to 10 reasons why I like it. It could be the CEO. It could be past management successes. It could be gross profit margins. It could be revenue growing on a year over year, quarter to quarter basis. It could be total addressable market of 100 million people. I write down these issues. And when those issues change, that's when I start thinking I should sell. I have not sold many stocks in the last five years. I've accumulated stocks. My wealth has more than tripled. Um, I figured out ways to, I should say my wealth has more than doubled because tripled, I would have to probably audit that. But I figured out ways to make my growth stocks grow even when they're not growing. In the stock price, I could use options on my highly concentrated positions. I take my cash that is generated and I buy my favorite companies when they're 20 to 40% down. I don't go and buy a new company that I've never, ever heard of unless it just joined the club. Last year, joining the club was Uber. Four profitable quarters and the the idea of it being added to the S&P 500, I told you what I was doing. Two years, I told you I was buying NVIDIA when it was down 40% from its all-time highs. I don't buy many stocks ever. I, I look for 20 to 40% pullbacks. 
I follow stocks 10 to 12 hours a day. I struggle to feel good in my life because this is what I'm doing. I'm almost a slave to it. I use a certified financial planner to EP wealth to make sure that my overall wealth is well tended to as I tend to my garden of growth stocks. I don't know your income, your assets, your liabilities. A lot of people have a lot of real estate and they're like, well, I've got a lot of, this is what I know about them. I'm 63 years old. I've got a lot of real estate and I need to know what to do with NVIDIA. And I'm like, well, how much is your real estate yielding? Is it yielding 7% cash flow? Because if it's not, you're making a mistake. You should be addressing that instead of addressing whether to buy or sell NVIDIA. I see too many people settle for 2 to 4% yields on real estate and that's underperforming. I don't like that. Oh, for the record, I'm going to a dermatologist next week because I got one of those moles that kind of shifted on me. But it took someone else to make the appointment for me who was able to see my back and say, ooh, you got an issue. And for the record, I'm very Scottish and English. So I got the, the alabaster white skin that when the sun hits it, let's just say it's an enjoyable experience, not... You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Need a referral to a financial planner like I use? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Interesting thing happened this week. Bitcoin has started building some momentum. Not too long ago, Bitcoin was around 18,000. People were saying 16,000 is the next stop, maybe 12,000. It all could happen. The next thing you know, it's at 20, 24, 28, 30, 32, 38, 40, 48, 50. Then are they going to be added to the index, the ETF indexes or not? Will the government support big financial firms that wanted exposure because a lot of wealthy people want alternatives. It could be alternative real estate. It could be alternative debt. It can be alternative equity. It could be alternative currency. Now, the only thing about digital assets or digital currency is the alternatives really aren't doing much. Do you remember Jack Dorsey from Twitter sold his very first tweet ever as a NFT non-fungible token for a couple million dollars, I think. A couple years later, it couldn't get $20,000. It was one of those examples of digital assets didn't hold up in value. You're going to be the only one allowed to use it. There's going to be a contract on it. If you ever want to sell it, you can sell it. No one else will ever be able to have that contract other than you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bitcoin is 60000 and it's because wealthy people in the world want alternatives. And the SEC and the U.S. government were put in a position where, let's say there's a client worth $20 million and he doesn't want $20 million of stock. He may want $10 million of stock, $4 million of real estate, $1 million in cash, and then maybe gold. But he sees gold isn't all that in a bucket of chicken like it used to be. Look at this thing called Bitcoin. And that may be the reason. So Bitcoin's, there's been created ETFs, but as this week, as Bitcoin's been ramping up, 
European central banks and U.S. central banks have warned there's really no good reason for Bitcoin to exist. You can't really use it in transactions at this point in time. But there is a fundamental issue that they're going to, not I guess more of a technical issue, uh, mixed with fundamentals, they're going to stop making it. Then what's out there is out there. And people are getting kind of wrapped up in that. It's something I'm not going to own for the foreseeable future until my wife says, man, look at our grocery bill. We just spent two Bitcoin on groceries. I'd like to spend three Bitcoin on a car. Until I'm there, I'm not there. Now, again, if you want to own Bitcoin or other digital currencies, 1% to 5% is my rule. If it turns into a home run, you're thrilled. If it strikes out, you're not that upset. I wouldn't have 50% of my money in, in NVIDIA or Apple. Um, I have highly concentrated positions in three tech stocks. Um, but still, I, I don't let them get too highly concentrated. Um, or I protect them in other ways with option strategies. Again, not available to the average investor. It's for high net worth individuals. So when I see an individual come to me and say, I've got, you know, $10 million or not, excuse me, 1 million of, of X stocks, the Magnificent Seven. I'm like, what else you got? And they're like, nothing. I'm like, you got too much. If this was 2022, you'd be calling me crying. But it's 2024, you're calling me happy. I get it. Um, but as you get wealthier, you get savvier, in my opinion. So let's move on from Bitcoin. I say congratulations if you held it. I say congratulations if you own it. I say have a strategy that is wise. One of the nation's top colleges are rolling out no loan policies. They're giving them out like candy, Yale professor says. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I could see colleges that fully meet students' calculated financial needs without loans. Colby, Brown, Bowden, Harvard, Grinnell, Duke, Panoma, Northwestern, Swarthmore, Smith, Princeton, Vassar, Vanderbilt, University of Pennsylvania, Westland, Williams, Yale. Enrollment in for-profit colleges and state colleges are going lower. A couple of years ago, Peter Thiel promised, if you drop out of college, <clears throat> I'll give you a big chunk of money if you don't go to college. And Five years ago, we were like, why are you being such a jerk? Five years later, <clears throat> my thesis is if my kids don't want to go to college, that's fine. As long as they get some sort of career, whether it be as a firefighter, a police officer, whether it be as a welder, a veterinarian. Veterinarians have to go to college, so that's a bad example. Maybe a veterinarian assistant. Um, <clears throat> I would have no problem with my kids being dental hygienists. It's a high-paying job. And if they don't want to do the four-year college, I think the four-year college is, for me, more about learning life skills, getting up on time, kissing your professor's butt, because one day you're going to have to kiss your boss's butt. Getting up on time to go to class, getting up on time to go to work. Going to college, don't stay out all night drinking. When you've got a job, don't stay out all night drinking. There, there's many parallels. 
There's the dating experience that you get. So I don't think Peter Thiel's totally off base. But again, is it good to say stay at home and play video games at your parents' house? No. Apple is getting out of the electric car business. One. What are the companies they can consider acquiring, believe it or not, is Rivian. Instead of spending billions of dollars doing their own research, they can go out and buy a company that's got product on the market, but they're losing money. I would expect in one to three years that Apple will buy a Lucid or a Rivian, someone in bankruptcy. I could be wrong, but Apple's getting out of building an electric vehicle, electric car, Project Titan that they've spent more than 10 years on, billions of dollars, and they're going to put those assets into AI. The trick here is, is I still think that they get back into the car idea world because it would be a Moodle ne- uh, a needle mover. I said a Moodle needer, but I'm saying needle mover. Why am I having this problem? Um, but it's going to be one of the companies like a Rivian or Lucid when they're in bankruptcy in my Find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare, a reliable source of domestic and international news you can use. I start my day every day with a page one column, except for on Wednesdays, because that's when I get to talk to Patrick himself instead of reading his content. And I don't want to be leaning one way or the other way. Stock market has been uh, taking a break, taking a pause, a little pause that refreshes after 14 out of 16 up weeks or 15 out of 17. It got a little, it got a little tilted to growth there for a bit of time. Patrick, um, I see that the headline of your page one day is every little thing is going to be all right. An ode to Bob Marley. I like it. Are you a Bob Marley fan? I <laughs> can't say I'm a huge Bob Marley fan, Rob, but I've heard it enough times to know that it was uh, probably a fitting title for today's page one perspective. Good for you. I like that. It's very relatable. Um, I'm not a big Bob Marley fan. I've been out of college for too long, but in college, it was, it was the theme music of the day more often than not. What are you implying that everything's going to be all right? Just two or three down days in the market, we're not going to go to zero? Well, what preceded that in terms of the body of the comment really was just an acknowledgement that um, the market since the October lows has kind of just been trading with this idea that nothing's going to go wrong. You know, it doesn't matter if there's negative news. Uh, You see a constant affinity to to buy every dip. Um, You know, the narrative about a soft landing or no recession at all has taken over. You know, you had a, um, uh, coming into the year, you had a market projecting six rate cuts. Um, Now we're down to three rate cuts, but still didn't change the equation for the market at all. And it's just, just kind of, you just have this um, sense of watching the market day in and day out, like we do at briefing.com. And, and, and it's trading right now with sort of that, that attitude that, um, you know, it's not going to worry about anything until something smacks it right in the middle of the face. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you have a market that just keeps kind of inching its way higher, creating this fear of missing out uh, that mm-hmm. keeps pulling money in off the sidelines. And, uh, and that's why we have the indices, most of them anyway, trading at or near uh, record highs at the moment. So 
So really, it was just kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying that the market is perhaps getting a little complacent here. Yep. Um, need to be careful about that, but that's just the, the attitude it has right now, that everything's going to be all right. And so uh, any dip that you get, you buy. You know, it's going to be a silly example, but I was looking at my 401k, which has a lot more of small caps and mid caps. As an investor, I tend to pick stocks that are large cap. Uh, but yesterday I was looking at my 401k and I noticed it's at an all time high, even though the stock portfolio is a little bit off of its all time high. And it was the small caps that kind of like carried me yesterday. And again, that's only a one day anecdotal story, but everything is going to be okay. There's still capitalism out there. Um, maybe for the rest of the year, what worked in the last year doesn't work. Maybe it's something else. Um, but we have jobs and the inflation. It's, I heard a great analogy yesterday. Maybe you want to steal this one. Kind of like a ping pong ball where you drop it and it co- only comes halfway back up and then it falls again. It only comes halfway back up. So it's, it's going lower on a year over year basis, but there's little moments of surges that, um, are problematic and we get a little bit worried and you're telling me don't worry um any thought on that horrible analogy i just threw down there on ping pong balls for you well i would say i'm i'm not saying don't worry because when you get to the mode of when you're in that mode it's probably exactly okay. what you do need to worry um all all we're saying and, and kind of what we've been pointing out and past comms on the big picture even is like look there's no denying that the strength of the mega cap stock performance has really, you know, led this market cap weighted S and P 500, right? Um, to the detriment of a lot of other stocks that are probably doing just fine, but just don't command the, you know, the fund flows that these other mega cap stocks do, because these mega cap stocks just have this profile of seemingly going nowhere but up. Um, so you need to be worried about concentration risk, um, and you need to be concerned with uh, perhaps the idea of looking to diversify, too, and trying to mitigate some of that risk uh, in, in actually looking at things like small caps and mid caps that have, you know, maybe underperformed this move, you know, looking at other sectors outside of the information technology sector. We're not saying to close out everything entirely in those spaces, not by any means. I mean, there's still tremendous growth in uh, those names and in the information technology sector, obviously. It's just the idea of, like, you know, more portfolio risk management, uh, taking the opportunity to kind of um, scrape something off and outperforming areas, areas that have outperformed by a mile, and look to redeploy it in underperforming areas and maintain that patient investor mindset and and realize that, you know, better returns, long-term returns happen when you're buying things at a lower valuation than a higher valuation. Um, and so that's really the, you know, the idea here. And I'll add one more point. I'm sorry to, you know, drone no, on great. here, but the, the idea, you know, as you said, you know, the economy is still doing fine, right? The labor market is still doing fine. Are there signs of slowing? Sure there are, but there's not any alarm in the data yet anyway, uh, that would suggest that there's going to be, you know, some type of implosion in the labor market. And while the employment information is backward looking, the initial claims data is a leading indicator that continues to run at very low levels that are not suggestive of the economy being close to a recession. And as long as people feel as if they are going to retain their job, they're going to continue to spend the money they earn, hopefully save some of it too. But uh, but as long as that spending uh, capability is there, 
the U.S. economy should continue to run okay. Earnings should continue to be, you know, okay, if not great. Um, and uh, so you have a market that, you know, is still kind of sitting here uh, a little bit in the sweet spot in terms of its own perspective that everything is going to be all right. Uh, and so you have traders that are following this market, knowing that the trend is their friend until it isn't. It's interesting. Um, one of the areas I kind of want to get a quick comment on from you is Apple announced they're going to be ditching its car plans. They've sunk billions and billions of dollars into the idea. I look at that as a good thing because they're going to spend some of their labor on developing more AI-ready product. And that's, again, they're saying, you know, profit means more now than coming up with a great long-term idea. And one of the pieces of commentary that I threw down is that I see Apple buying Rivian or Lucid in a few years in bankruptcy because they're not going to survive and thrive like Tesla pulled it out. Maybe, maybe not. There's some ifs and buts and candy nuts there. Um, But as capitalism is, I think Apple's smart by saying, we're going to focus on this instead of that because we see more profits in this instead of that. Any, Any commentary on companies being dynamic and reallocating resources when things are a little bit tough? or underperforming like electric vehicles. And, yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, successful companies over the long term are the ones that really appreciate what their core capabilities are. Um, you know, it's one thing uh, I feel like, you know, a company like Apple can be applauded for, you know, for taking that leap and trying to do something that could have been a great growth market for it, perhaps. Um, but recognizing that, you know what, it's just they're not cut out for it, not not in their current form anyway. And so they'll, you know, refocus on the things that uh, that they know that they can do and do well to keep things going in terms of generating profitability over the long term and, and stronger shareholder returns. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds – well, it's not a great analogy necessarily because okay. I'm talking sure. to Apple and I'm going to introduce McDonald's. But I remember there was a point um, – gosh, I don't know – maybe 15 plus years ago now where McDonald's was kind of got away from that core capability. And and once it got back to committing to just kind of being a value-based provider. Sounds interesting and good. Um, Also, we have the election this year. Do you think the elections are going to have much play in the stock market? Um, This is, it's certainly on a lot of people's headline news mind. Mm -hmm. Well, it it will certainly have some play in the market, you know, as we get a little bit further into the year here. I think Mm -hmm. we kind of have a sense of who the two candidates are going to be. And then, you know, it'll probably have a lot to do with, you know, how the market thinks the composition of Congress will, you know, what that will look like, uh, you know, after the election, too, because that will help dictate whether you could get changes in tax policy, um, you know, will have a sense of whether, you know, who's in office, whether there's going to be a stronger push for maybe tariffs uh, on imported Chinese goods or, or maybe less that's of right. a push. And so uh, we just need a little bit more time here to see kind of how that's going to shake out. But, yeah, it's definitely going to come into play a little bit more demonstrably as the year presses on. Well, with February, the year just got a lot more interesting. Thank you very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of international and domestic news that you can use. I'm Rob Black. You may be decades away from retirement and feeling overwhelmed. You should be starting to craft your retirement plan. Some smart decisions now can make a huge difference in the kind of retirement you enjoy. So set aside the morning of March 23rd from 10 a.m. till noon when two of the Bay Area's leading financial voices will be in Lafayette to help guide you down the right path. 
Learn the next chapter, Crafting Your Retirement, at a seminar hosted by EP Wealth's Stephanie Richmond and Rob Black. Certified financial planner Stephanie Richmond will show you how to reduce risk and generate secure income in retirement, plan for long-term care, learning when to take Social Security, and more. Rob will discuss the economy and the stock market. If you're looking to retire better and you have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this live seminar is for you. That's Saturday, March 23rd, 10 a.m. to noon at Don Tatson Hall in the Lafayette at library space is limited so sign up today at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com robblackshow.com three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 